males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. Gentlemen, let us begin. I always want to nice. say that. Nice. That was nice, Jay. <laughs> Welcome to the Great Man Podcast, where every other week we take turns with Stephen Mansfield talking about the great art of great manhood. We have the talk where Stephen Mansfield brings up a, a topic that's on his heart about men and manhood. And then the next week we'll do the build where me and Anthony will talk about and we'll discuss that topic between each other and we come up with new insights. Anthony is joining us remotely today. Yeah, this that's is pretty new. awesome, dude. Via satellite. <laughs> <laughs> Zooming in. Yeah, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. How's how's Vegas treating you? It's been great, man. <laughs> been real good. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any stories to tell because we all know yeah. what happens in Vegas days in Vegas. But uh, I came up, my wife brought me up for my uh, birthday, and so we're celebrating my birthday, and uh, we'll be heading back later today, back to back to town, and I'll see your smiling faces soon, man. Yeah, man. Happy yeah. birthday. Looking good. Thank you. Thanks, guy. All so, right. man, this week, I have a, a, a difficult kind of thing that I need to start with. Uh, Jay, I want to talk to you about your performance, man. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's my performance review. Yeah, it's it's difficult to talk about jay but there's some things that you have to get done you have to get better at this thing jay why, please, why are you laughing guy? i'm, I'm giving me. you some criticism man. yeah man i'm giving I, you criticism we were asking for it right we were asking last yeah. week yeah you know today's today's podcast is dealing with criticism and gossip yeah. i mean it's something all of us have to deal with jay and uh, in our in our professional lives man you you know this as well, man. There's always somebody that's your boss, somebody that their opinion of you is very important. So we're always listening and trying to get glimpses into what they really think about us. Mm -hmm. So in that aspect, man, I guess criticism is good because it gives us a picture into a, a place that's hidden. And if people will come and talk to us and be honest, but that's that's not really the focus or the negative focus of what Stephen was talking about. It was more of the gossip and talking behind your back. And how did he say the guardian of our soul, the unpaid the guardian, the unpaid guardians of our soul? Oh man, dude, that hit me hard. That made me just stop it a couple of different times and and chew on that, man. Yeah, I think this day and age, anybody tries to do anything significant, they're going to get criticism, especially with social media. It just you know, people will criticize anything. Yeah, you know? you know, everybody is a critic too, and I guess it's our new right. Like I have a right to let you know how I feel about you. I have a right to critique what I'm you do. I have real. A, I'm the yeah, realest I'm guy real. in the room. <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny, man. We always even even when I read posts, man, I'm thinking about how I disagree with it. Mm. Or if I read yeah. some some article, I'm trying to think about what where do I disagree? I'm never looking for agreement. And I need to do that more often. Do you think all people are like that or you'd like that? I don't know, man. I think for me, it, it might be the just the defensiveness that I naturally had from my childhood, you know, kind of creeping up on me. And kind of my defense mechanism is if I feel like somebody's going to criticize me, 
I criticize them first. You know, I want to jump first and get the criticism in. So that's something that I fight with every, every minute of the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up in a school, man? Now in Texas, man, we used to call it high siding or, uh, I mean, that's what we used to call it, but it's the the flippant comments and, you know, your mama this, your daddy that, uh, look at those pants you had on, you, you yeah. had those on for three weeks, just any kind of derogatory thing. Did y'all do that in school? Yeah, yeah, we, we, especially with our friends though. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. know if somebody came up to me and did that in high school, you know, we would all yeah. just kind of be like, you're not, you don't like me. You don't know me like that. You know, you can't yeah. <laughs> just come up to me. But earlier on, though, when I was younger, younger, I was in, I had hyperthyroid and I couldn't control my emotions. It was just, yeah, I would just be the, the target of criticism. I guess my point is, man, sometimes when we're doing that thing that guys do together and we're high side is the word I'll use now. I don't know what the word is uh, currently, but when we're doing that, you ever, you ever been in one of those situations, even with a friend, man, where you're kind of shooting and taking shots at each other and then somebody says something that's like overly on point mm. or overly personal yeah or overly truthful and it mm-hmm. kind of puts a damper on the whole moment man and it's moments like that i feel that always remind us that we have to track back and watch who it is that we've let on the inside of our lives man mm-hmm. yeah but it's also a moment where like to to examine like where is that coming from like it's true right yeah you want to you want to kind of <laughs> examine it like see, that's the, that's the problem is is that i think as a in general so society um people are reactive you know i'd say men especially like if you, if you hit them they hit you back immediately yeah if you get cut off in traffic you're going to immediately criticize that person for their driving and then proceed to drive irresponsibly to prove your point to them you know, like yeah. I'm gonna go cut you off now, and that kind of thing is is sort of like we're just chat. we're just trying to react, yeah. And and because of that, there's no time to reflect. There's no time to be like, how can I be a safer driver in this situation? You know what I mean? Instead, yeah. the reaction is the opposite to be the absolute driver. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna make this really dangerous now. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's it's something that you know every, I say this every week whenever I listen to the talk. The first time initially, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's that doesn't really apply to me. And then the second time I really listened to it and I realized like, man, I need to change stuff Mm, in me right now. And one of the big things is I hate criticism. I hate it. Yeah, especially if it's unjust. Like I'm like, oh, that's my greatest fear. You know, Uh, somebody criticizes me and they got a reason for it. Then sure, I'll I'll fess up to it. But if you're telling me I did something I didn't do, I'm gonna let you know. And so like this, this kind of struck me. You know, listening to it the third or fourth time, I was like, oh, yeah. you know, getting criticized, man. I guess there's always a part of it that I'm going to fight internally because I have some truths about myself that I know and I've recognized and I've said these things are true about Anthony. These are places that I will not go about Anthony. These are places that I will lead my life on over here. And then when I hear something, man, from someone that contradicts that immediately, man, I put up a wall of defense and go, wait, I'm not letting that in. I'm not going to allow that in. Because if we allow every errant comment to come in, man, I mean, we'll be struggling 100% of the time, man, because people are always looking for a way to tear us down. Now, I know that sounds pessimistic, but in general, I think that it's a natural reaction that people are tearing other folk down, man, trying to look bigger themselves. It's also that paradigm of like, 
you know, I, I, I used to work at a comedy club. So every stand up I'd talk to would be like, if I'm killing it and the whole crowd is just going crazy laughing, but there's one guy in the front with his arms crossed, I focus on that one person. Right. That's my, all my attention is on that guy. And it, it is, it, the truth is, yeah, there, there are a lot of haters out there, a lot of people who will give criticism to you, but I mean, not, not just haters, people, you know, good people will give you criticism, but like, yeah. So it, there's a lot of it, but sometimes like we just fixate on the minor, minority when really the important work we have to do is mm. this side. So I get you. I said, you set that boundary. You can't address every single person. Right. But I think I do like this principle of, of seeing it, welcoming it as a friend, you know, not just like right. every single person, but the general criticism, you know, to be able to sit in your control room and just examine like what's true about this. You know, what can I yeah. improve? Because honestly, like every man listening to this will say that he, they've had times where they were perceived incorrectly or they oh, presented yeah. themselves or they behaved in a way that didn't accurately represent it. Yeah. And, you know, you can't just be like, hey, I didn't mean to be that way. He's like, no, you were that way and you affected that yeah. person in that way. And it's sort of like we all have that. Right. So like it we all can change our behavior we all can improve always at all times so it's like absolutely it's valuable to really examine and figure out what you know Stephen comes up with with these one two threes and abcs and four five sixes and the ones that he came up to kind of address this were pretty good man i mean one of the first ones is is the question that you ask when someone gives you some negative feedback or feedback in general or criticizes you or says something that's unjust the first thing you need to do is is it true yeah. You know, and I've started this probably eight or 10 years ago, and I've talked about it on the podcast, man, that when I hear negative comments come my way, or if I'm having a disagreement with someone, the first question I always ask myself is, well, what if it's me? Mm. And I think it's a legitimate place to start. I'm not internalizing everything that they tell me, but I always say to myself, what if it's me? Yeah. Because I need to clear, I need to clear that road first. Now, if I can get past that and legitimately tell myself that it's not me, then we can move on to some of these other things. But do you have anything in place like that, Jay? Is there an a immediate reaction at this point in your life that you have when someone criticizes you? Uh, I don't know, man. My, the, I think I'm still programmed to react, mm. right? I still am programmed to just be like, even, it's, even if it's, you know, especially at work, if they're like, hey, did this happen? I'll be like, no, it didn't. And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And I'm going to give you clarity of what my intentions were and how I presented myself and how you misinterpreted it. I'm not at all improving myself there. I'm just trying to yeah. save face in front of everybody. And in fact, it looked, it's like, it always looks like weakness when you do that, you know? And it's, I, th I think yeah, refusing, it, refusing to hear some, some hard truth. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you sound like you're incapable of hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And what do we want, especially the people we want, like you, I've heard you say it all the time. What do we say about with your friendships? You don't want to just have yes men around right. you, right? You, you, you said I don't have before, time for it. You don't have time yeah. for it, right? And that's kind of what makes a great man great is you have people around mm. you who feel like they can give you that input, you know, because when you're defensive over the little things, you know, like when you're, like, no, that didn't happen. Here's what you thought happened, and that's wrong. You know, if you do that, they're going to be less inclined to come to you with any input later on. Right. Yeah. And then you don't have meaningful relationships. <laughs> you just have 
people who just tell you what you want to hear all the time. So that was that was the number one thing that Stephen said was what is true? Is yeah. it true? And I got a question, Jay. Mm-hmm. Just take a second and think, man. What is it if it gets real personal, you don't have to say it, but top five. Pick out one of those times when someone came and gave you some correction and it really took you back, man. You it really hit you like mm-hmm. a ton of bricks. Really knocked you down uh, or made you think about what you were doing. Man, I don't know if I can identify specifically uh, a specific situation because it's kind of became like a just a just a defense mechanism that activates automatically, but won't even allow it in. Yeah, I know where it comes from. That, that that's the thing is I I know the 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 core of all my defensiveness, the core of all of this fear is just as a kid being relentlessly teased and relentlessly kind of targeted because I couldn't yeah. not respond because I had a, an illness. But now I don't so talk- have I don't have that condition <laughs> and I still am like reactive. Well, let's dig into that just yeah. for 2 or 3 minutes. So for for people that are listening the first time and they don't know you your, your history and stuff, what yeah. was it that you were dealing with when you were in mid school? And you know, you said I was not capable. I didn't have yeah. the ability to deal with. Can you just give us a three minute explanation of that? I had a specific type of hyperthyroidism, which means my thyroid gland overproduces. And in this specific type, it makes you extremely hyperactive. It makes you very very skinny, and uh, also you you know, your eyes bulge. So there are a lot of reasons to make fun of this kid. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it also makes it hard to manage your emotions and your feelings. So like, if you feel anger, you're going to express it. If you feel hurt, you're going to express it. And so it was basically walking around like an open nerve everywhere. And thankfully, you know, thankfully when I was 12 years old, you know, I was, I was healed. Hey man. And I don't have to deal with that anymore, but there's still that reaction. You know, like when I start getting defensive, it's me reverting back to that kid who is like 11 years old. who's just like reacting to everything. So that baggage is still there from those wounds that you that you received for having that condition. So now you just you're reacting before you get a chance to get your feelings hurt or someone gets a chance to put you down or be critical about something. But I want to I want to thank you for sharing that with us, because the men need to know that they're not the only ones out there dealing with these things. But if I think back to one of my top five. And so I've lived a longer life than you, Jay. So it is no problem at all for me to reach back and grab one of these times that I've been corrected. But I remember, man, in my own family, man, I like to think of myself as a family first dude, man. I tell people all the time, you know, talk, talk about me, curse me out, you know, do me wrong. But don't freaking talk about my family. Don't touch my family and don't do anything that impacts my family. Because for me, that's the line that gets crossed. So I, in my head, man, I build this great structure of me being this great father and great, great husband and, you know, great mate and all these things. And I remember, man, probably, I guess it's been 12, 15 years ago. We're, uh, we're not even in the middle of an argument, but we're having a discussion. And I remember my wife and kids being all there and my wife going, you know, we're tired of walking on eggshells. And I'm like, whoa, uh, what do you mean? Because we don't know about your anger, where it's going to take you, what's going to happen, where it's going to go, and what price we're going to have to pay because you're angry. 
And it was the first time that somebody had, usually men, we get congratulated on losing it, congratulated on going off, congratulated on grabbing somebody or defending the defenseless and all these kinds of things. But when we turn that sword towards our families, man, and our mm. families are now dealing with this, these moments of anger or, or just, uh, you know, popping off, just, just saying angry things. And man, it really made me sit there for about 20 minutes and just wow. dwell. Yeah. And I thought, man, honestly, one of the first things I thought was, is this true? Can mm. this possibly be true because of all the love and compassion and all these things that I have for my family? Do I behave in a way that negates it all? And they feel like there's a portion of the time that they're walking around on eggshells. Wow. And that one was a big one for me. But I do remember, man, one of the first things that I had to contemplate and clear up with myself was, is, is this true? Yeah. And looking back now, man, I have to admit that there was some focus, some points of it that were true. Because when I got to my field or when I was tired and I'd heard that last sentence that I need to hear, I was going to say whatever it took to shut that conversation down. Or mm. whenever you crossed the line that made me feel insignificant or uncertain of myself, I was going to shut that down. And very rarely was it in a tone or a mode that was life-giving. It was yeah. always boom and i'd explode so that's one of the one of the things that i've dealt with in my life man is just that hard question of what is true is it true mm. and what do i need to change and that sent me on my current journey of getting a hold to that anger in my life finding the source of the anger in my life and getting healed from those wounds and replacing that lie with a truth so that that's one of the one of my personal experiences with with man, feedback, that, man. That that's something that every every man has experienced something along those lines. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's that actually helps me. And and something you said that I thought was really important is also finding out what the source is. Right. Because yeah. a lot of what the source of the reaction in me is that I haven't dealt with the source. Mm. Right. A lot of the times when I feel like all men, when when we react and we get defensive and we try to dispel criticism and everything. It's it's us reacting from something that happened in the past, in our childhood, something our dad said, something that happened at school or coach. And when we don't actually step back and go through that and process all that, it'll yeah. always be a reactionary thing. But it takes a lot of maturity to be able to stop and be like, what's true? Yeah, what's man. true in this moment? So I, I, I appreciate that. I, it kind of reminds me of when I was dating Christine and we we were it was just so many years of that relationship and and i couldn't see what she saw and she brought it up to me that like it feels like we're fighting a lot and i'm like we're not fighting these aren't fights you know <laughs> and mm -hmm. and i couldn't step back and be like what's true about this you know and mm -hmm. we recognize that whenever she says something whether she's criticizing or anything I flip it around and I turned it on her and I turned mm -hmm. to turn against her. And I didn't realize that for like eight years of our relationship. I don't know why she stayed, <laughs> like, but thankfully she stayed with me. And yeah, the second that I started to examine that and figure out what is the source of this and how can I stop turning against my, my, this woman I love who, you know, is my wife now, but 
the minute I did that was the minute she started finding hope in our relationship and thinking I can marry this man. Wow. Right. And so <laughs> that's why we the whole courtship being that long was me refusing to recognize that I was doing harm and it was me. And and it was me reacting to something I did as a kid. And the, the second I realized that was the <laughs> we got married pretty quickly after that. Man, so. that's incredible. Some of the greatest things that we chase after, I guess we're sabotaging ourselves, man, yeah. with this whole dynamic of uh, because anything that matters to us and in any relationship that really matters, there's going to be times that we disagree and times that somebody needs to look at you and point a finger and go, hey, I see this thing. Mm-hmm. And it bothers me in the context of our relationship, whether that's professional friendship, strangers, whatever. It bothers me in the context of our friendship are you willing to hear this? Are you willing to be different? And we all come to this place, man, where we're just like, yes or no. Yeah. And you know, one of the greatest fears, man, for me as a guy, and, and I got this definitely from high school, man, that when somebody is, is criticizing you uh, fairly or not, the last thing I'm going to do is allow it to dictate my emotional state. Like, I'm not going to allow you to look at me and see my continents change when you say something slick about me. Or I'm not going to allow you to look at me and see that that hit a chord in me. Because when you see that it hit a chord in me, then you're going to really pluck that chord Mm -hmm. and try to take me further down the rabbit hole. So I put up this protective guard every time I feel this situation happening, man. And it's like, I'm not even, sometimes I'm not even in that situation. I'm already away from it because I've guarded myself against what this person is saying. But at the root of that, man, is this fear of men actually being known, man. We are afraid to be known uh, for all of our mistakes and all of our failures and all the things that are wrong with us. We want to fly the banner of all of our successes. But sometimes, man, we need to, instead of, telling people all of our wins we need to be explaining to people where we're warring instead mm. of winning we need to explain to people where we're warring and and i think that it's good especially in our families and and, and to some extent on our jobs when somebody identifies a negative thing or gives us criticism sometimes the best thing to do if you know it's true is to go i receive that i hear you something even i would go further that would be the most difficult thing for me to do would be to say thank you. Mm. Thank you for that. See, but I'll turn I'll turn that into a negative and, and yeah. make the thank you as snarky and freaking <laughs> piss poor as I could. Well, thanks, God. Thank you a lot. Thank you. No, it would just you know? be like, sincerely, thank you. I, I need, I cannot see myself the way I behave, the way I present myself, but you can, and I need that from you. Yeah. That's, that's the tough part. What was number two that what was number two that Steven said? What went wrong? Yeah, what went wrong? Yeah. So we have to we have to get the details of because he mentioned this communication, like is key. And when somebody says something or criticizes us, before we decipher it and run it through our own filter and through our own lens and explain to ourselves what they're saying, mm-hmm. a lot of times we need to look back at them and go, "All right, can you help me understand?" what I'm doing in this moment. Can you help me understand when I'm behaving in this manner, what it looks like? Can you tell me the last time that I did it? But we have to learn to ask the right questions and find out what went wrong, man. For me, this is the hardest thing because it's a lot of work. And sometimes as I look at it, like 
we're like, we're too busy. We don't have time to analyze what went wrong, where and how, you know, this conversation is a waste of time. I got to get to work, you know, and sometimes what will happen at work is, is uh, there'll just be failed communication. And yeah. they look to me and they're like, where, where did this, where, what happened? And I sit there feeling like, why are you blaming me for everything? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. And it's like, I also don't want to work. I want to, I don't want to do the work of figuring out where systemically the the communication, because it's like, I don't want to point fingers, Yeah, but it's important, especially in our lives as men and the things that we do and in, in work too, it's, it'd be vital to figure out where the communication drops. And now we won't happen again in the future. So, so self-centered, all I'm thinking about is like, don't point your finger at me. As long as the finger's not pointed at me, I'm okay. Yeah, let's let's turn and yeah. point our fingers somewhere else, but not at me. <laughs> and I like the thing where Steven said, like, it's good to be here sometimes. Oh, yeah. With the finger pointed at you so that you can actually analyze, like, where where did this communication drop? And how can we work together to figure out that it doesn't happen again? Yeah. You know, I remember when when my wife told me that and my children are kind of sitting around and, you know, looking at the walls and looking down. They didn't really want to tell dad this. And ultimately, they had to say that they agreed, you know, because they did. I can remember just going, you know, OK, well, give me the details. And I actually followed this pretty closely. You know what? Give me some situations where this happened. And I came to find out that it wasn't situations where I actually got my daddy voice on. And got all, you know, animated and, you know, slammed the door or something. But it was moments, man, where I didn't allow people to interject, people to respond or people to Mm -hmm. talk. Because I'm so sure of what I'm telling you, you don't get to respond to this. You don't get to give me your thought on this. Just I'm right. So sit there and take it and deal with it. And I remember that that changed the dynamic in my household as a whole when I heard that, because it helped me sit quietly and listen to people work it out for themselves. Mm. Cause a lot of times when we're talking to people, we're not really giving them an answer or giving them our answer. We're trying to work it out in our own minds. So we discuss it and find out what it is that we really believe. The discussion is key. The allowing people to give you input freely. For me, that that's so foreign. <laughs> really? But that is what you need. You need to have because you can't see yourself. You you don't. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate blind spot is how I present myself. And the only way you can figure that out is by getting input from people who perceive you. <laughs> Jay, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a tough question. You answer yeah. it or you don't, man. But just in your household, in your marriage, do you two argue? Um, I don't think I think we. So for me, arguments are very different. <laughs> I feel let's like let's hear about it, Jay. <laughs> for me, an argument is, you know, like really just we can come to blows and start yelling at each other. To me, I don't think that's a bad thing. I like doing that. You know, at work, I'm like, hey, I'm not angry at you or anything. I just react this way. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to get to the core of it faster. And but we don't do that in our house. <laughs> We do not do that in our house. I think we so when, have. So when you disagree, what's it look like? What's it look like? You two. Oh, you man. Uh, sometimes it's playful. You know, yeah. just <laughs> stupid things like how things are pronounced. I'll, I'll pronounce it wrong on purpose or she'll pronounce something wrong on purpose because she knows this bothers me. But yeah. we just. But as far as like arguments, I think some of the arguments we have are 
about just how open I am, you know, and it's just an examination. Not, not being open. Yeah. And just sort yeah. of like, sort of like I, trying to get it out of me. She's like, I like it when you tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, great. I, I can't communicate. that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But there are moments where we sit there and we're really talking about things and, and there are miscommunications, of course, because I'm, I'm not the best communicator sometimes. And it leads to what could be an argument. Instead, it becomes a, she tells me, well, the, when this happened, this is how I felt about it. And then I was able yeah. to turn towards her and be like, OK, so you felt this way this, when, when I did this. Getting to that point of letting her be heard, know that she's heard. And turning towards her actually allows me time to reflect on me too, because I'm just sure. saying back what she said to me. Yeah. And that's valuable because a lot of times when you say back the thing that you, you, you have a realization when it ex- escapes your lips in a constructive manner. And so that's what arguments look like <laughs> in our house. And that is that is exceptional, dude, yeah. that you've learned you've learned principles. And I guess it could have been through the long courtship, man. You've learned principles to defuse arguments before they really get to the place where they're high level and uh, yelling and screaming and somebody's feelings. Somebody is going to walk away with their feelings hurt, man. Yeah. And it's awesome. You know, and number three was own your own communication. Yeah. And, and just thinking back, man, some of the greatest hurts in my life, even within my family growing up in high school in my marriage with my kids, even now, some of the greatest hurts in my life are when I did something or said something with the greatest intentions, with the greatest heart, with the ideal posture to do something that I knew there was going to be a benefit for my family or for my mom or my sister or those in general, to do all those, to check all those boxes and then have someone turn to me and go, that's so selfish. You why would you do X, Y, and Z? So to have something, uh, the motives of what I've done questioned and have them turned against me, even if I know that I've done them out of pure motives, man. Yeah. Owning your communication, it, it's sort of like, because that's that's my biggest fight is to be like, no, that's not what I said. You need to l- you need to learn to stop fixating on the wrong things <laughs> and and stop misinterpreting what I said as if what I said is so valuable, how offensive it is that you would misinterpret it. You know, like that's right. That is this weird self-important kind of almost like delusions of grandeur when you think about it, but that's how important my, that's the reaction I give to any kind of, you didn't hear me right. You know? Yeah. But owning your communication is like, yeah, man, I'm probably something I did made you, think that which is i would like to be able to communicate more clearly or or for the other person a wound that you have or a place Mm. that you've been or circumstances that you found yourself in deciphered some gentle statement that i said and turned it into some ferocious accusation because that happens as well when it happens for us we can see it and admit it but we have to look at and have and i tell people this all the time man and I don't even know if this is politically correct, but, you know, when I'm talking to guys, I say, man, your wife is the same little girl that she was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. She's just older. So when she behaves in a way that 
reminds you of a girl or a little girl or a young woman, you have to have a level of compassion and grace in those moments, man. So we have to learn, man, that when we say things, it could be the simplest, most, most gentle thing that we could say, but because of the wounds or the past that our brides have gone through or friends have gone through or coworkers have gone through, they hear something completely, like you said, an accusation. Yeah. You suck. You suck. And if we leave it at that and they walk away angry and we walk away angry, nothing gets resolved. And the next time it builds on that and it's going to be even worse or more blatant or more in your face when we make the comment. Yeah. Uh, the way that you express it is great. Like the, it's kind of an opportunity, you know, when it is when you have that misinterpretation to have a dialogue and figure out like, OK, where did it come from? And either, you know, either brings light into the way I said something or the way that I behaved or presented myself or it brings light to something in, in the other person either way it's a valuable exchange but oftentimes yeah. we just cut it off <laughs> shut it down have you uh have you ever been in a situation where somebody comes and tells you that somebody else is gossiping about you or said something slick about you you're in a choir i know this I, has happened to you jay bro you're, you're in a choir there there are times where i i would tell the person be like hey you're not supposed <laughs> to tell me what they said exactly. You're supposed to interpret in a way that would be like effective for me, you know? And that's what I would say. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to like hear what they think about me, you know? Yeah. I need you to filter it for me and give me something <laughs> that I can work on. <laughs> it's like, don't compare me to those people. Like, <laughs> Bruh. So you've never had a moment, man, where somebody comes back and says, yeah, you know, Bill's always saying that you can't sing. All the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, Bill would never say that. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I think if I were to take those those moments and actually, you know, make them constructive, there would be a lot less just anxiety and just like hurt feelings in me. Okay, then we need to get you on a we need to get you on a path I, to healing. I do. This, I need to place. get some healing, bro. Seriously, man. You know so. So in, let's say in that situation, Bill comes to you and says, man, hey, Mike said he doesn't like There's the a tone. hypothetical Bill and Mike. So Bill and Mike, don't yeah, take this Bill anyway. And Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hypothetical. And hey, he doesn't like your tone on this. And he says, in general, your tone is weird when you sing in this octave and blah, 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 blah. What What's your natural response to that? Yeah, I mean... It's, just, just think about it for a minute. I just told you. I don't you think that. that that's never happened like that. Yeah. That specific about my my singing because my singing's awesome all the time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, if I heard that, there would be a little bit of like, what is what did what did they know? You know, like they can't sing. <laughs> well, how about how about this one? Here's a better one. Yeah. I come to you and I say, hey man, I was sitting down with your bride, and your bride was mentioning that she feels like you spent too much time gaming hmm. too much time on your phone like these things that she wants you to enjoy she's feeling like you're spending too much time doing them what's your natural response to that now currently it's you're absolutely right and those are things that i'm actually <laughs> working on but like there were times where she would bring it up and i would be like mm -mm, no i'm not spending enough time you know, I actually cut off. <laughs> you know how many hours I don't play these things because I want to spend time with you. So, like, give me this time, you know, and then that that used to be the argument. But now it's like, oh, no, this thing's a harmful addiction that I need to stem and keep away from myself. So 
you, you got to find out if it's true. Find out if it's true. So find out if it's true, and then you got to find out what, what went exactly wrong. went wrong. And then in that discussion, you're going to figure out that there's been some lapses in communication. So you own your communication. Mm-hmm. How can I communicate this better? How can I respond better? And then the next one is, do I need to go to additional people? So do I need to go to my wife and say, hey, Anthony brought this up? Or do I need to go to Anthony specifically and go, hey, what are you doing You know, sharing this in this manner? I don't know what it would be. But we have to go to whoever has started this or whoever has started the bad communication. And number five is what systems need to be changed? What systems need to be changed? And and for me, you know, just the the screaming and uh, being angry and making people feel like they were walking on eggshells. It was a whole time. I say I spent four months, five months just refusing to react to anything. I just wanted to be in that moment, mm-hmm. hear what was going on, hear people's feedback, and just I, I wouldn't react either way because I needed to guard myself and learn how to control that impulse to strike back. So that was yeah. one of the systems that I put in place. And even still, I do that now. If I feel like that I'm going to go completely negative, I'm going to take some breaths, man, and walk around the corner. And if I still feel like that I need to tell you this, then I'll, feel, I'll, I'll figure out a constructive way to say it. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me is like that this this whole podcast, this whole talk for me was a paradigm shift of like, yeah, my my systems are all wrong, <laughs> mm. you know, to be welcoming of criticism and to be able to stay in it and actually be like be ill thought of for a while because it's valuable. And uh, I was thinking along the terms of we were talking about earlier, we're saying that every great pursuit, whether it's relational good friendships, good, you know, your family, whether it's a passion of yours and a goal of yours, some kind of noble pursuit that you have, a nonprofit or whatever, whatever you do that's worth anything will always be criticized. You'll always face do criticism and undo criticism. And if you're constantly afraid of that, like I am, you're often not going to achieve anything worthwhile. You know, the, the great manhood that you have the great man that you're supposed to be, that God made you to be, you're not pursuing that because you're avoiding criticism. And that that's kind of that that's sort of like the thing that what changed my whole paradigm is like, man, I gotta really, I gotta really stay with the criticism. I gotta be able to welcome it and and treat it as a friend. <laughs> cause yeah. Because otherwise, you know, it's hard, it's hard to be to pursue anything that's noble or worthwhile. Yeah. So say that again, man. Everything yeah. that's noble, say it again, man. You do anything great in this world, anything worth it, people are going to criticize you for it. People yeah. are going to misinterpret or misunderstand what you're doing. You know, a lot of times so you face an opposition, and that opposition is what stops most people. Mm. So, so if I backbuild on that, if I'm always looking for a hundred percent agreement to start a venture. Mm-hmm. If I'm always looking for the people around me to encourage me in a thing just across the board, if I'm ever sharing ideas or dreams and they don't meet resistance, normally I'm like, all right, let's go full steam ahead. Yeah. But what you're telling me is great things, 
noble things, big audacious dreams, things that are out of the scope of my own behavior. When I share those things, quite possibly even out of fear, people are going to criticize it or remind me of what's wrong with it. Yeah. And, and, mm. and I think it's, it's important to, to welcome that or else if, you know, for me, I know me personally, I know you said that for you, you just go straight ahead. For me, it stops me in my tracks and I don't pursue the thing because I faced opposition or somebody told me, you know, you can start a business and somebody tells you actually that your whole business plan is wrong. Either you stop or you, or you take that in and you, and you examine it and you go, okay, where can I fix this so that you, yeah. oftentimes it leads you to be better. Absolutely. And, and so I, that's, that's what I took away is like, I want to do great thing. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't think I'm going to get there if I'm constantly in fear of being criticized. Yeah. And just like you said, so somebody's looking at that business plan and they tell you, Hey, this has failed. The first thing you know, you need to do is say, is that true? Which is going to cause you to do homework. It's going to cause you to then ask questions. You're going to go, well, what's wrong with it? Yeah. And then you'll get more information. And then is it the way I'm conveying it? I need to own my conversation. Is it the way that it's written? Is there something in the presentation of it? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think just across the board, man, that if we could learn to build these in to our normal behavior, they're going to be helpful for us to meet these moments when we're criticized or gossiped about. Yeah. Welcoming it, doing these principles, looking at square in the face, yeah, what's true, asking what went wrong, you know, spending your time in your control room, you know, owning your communication, figuring out who you have to talk to and what systems need to be changed these are all part of the art of great manhood to join the great man community or to book steven to speak at your man's event go to greatman.tv there you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be the Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production. Yeah.